<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm Scott McGrew. Welcome to Sand Hill Road. Nearly every successful startup funded with venture dollars knows Silicon Valley Bank well. The bank's logo is stamped on top of that multi-million dollar check that venture capitalists write, or its routing number, on that multi-million dollar wire. Most of the time, it's a transfer from a uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, you know, account with a venture capital firm to a Silicon Valley Bank client that is a technology uh, or a life science uh, firm. Yeah, it does happen that way. Silicon Valley Bank CEO, Greg Becker. Your offices are literally across the courtyard from Kleiner Perkins. Your clients are venture capital, including Andreessen Horowitz. How does that work with a bank? I mean, does, does, does Ben or Mark come in and they, they go to the ATM and they get some money out? <laughs> you know, do you give them a toaster? Explain to me how your relationship works and what are you giving them? Yeah, we're. I would. The simplest way to describe what we do and how we work with venture capitalists is is we are a partner with them. We don't replace what they do. We augment what they do. So they are the equity capital behind their companies and all their companies they work with. They need a bank of some type to help them out, right? And there's the basic transactional banking stuff, and that's that's interesting, and you got to be good at that. But to me, what's really valuable is what we do because of how concentrated we are in the innovation space. So we bank 50% of all venture-backed companies. And so what, what we understand about how these companies operate, the connections we can make for them, the introductions, the advice we can give them is very different than other, in, other institutions that don't have that sort of concentration. So I really look, look to describe what we do and how we partner with the venture capitalists as, as being a partner to them and their portfolio companies. That's the most important thing. We'll talk more about how banking and venture capital work together a little later in the podcast. It was my original intention to talk to Greg Becker about the macro economy and how startups can prepare for a downturn in the economic cycle if one comes. But of course, it was the news cycle that interfered. Tonight, Wall Street sinking deeper into the red as fears of coronavirus grow. With the female patient infected outside of quarantine, medical staff who treated her are in isolation. Now, a third person has uh, tested positive in the UK for coronavirus. Canada has recorded a tense case of COVID-19, presumptive at this point. Australia has activated an emergency plan to deal with the outbreak of the coronavirus amid expectations a global pandemic will soon be declared. 
avec 13 personnes contaminées. Le département du Morbihan est le troisième foyer infectieux découvert en France. La Organisation mondiale de la Salud a augmenté hoy el riesgo de propagación del coronavirus a muy alto a nivel mundial. Let's check in on those market closes. Five full percentage points higher for the Dow after last week's torrid uh, declines up nearly 1,300 points. A lot has changed in the last week. I would a agree. lot has changed. So let's talk about that. Sure. I, you know, I know you're not an epidemiologist. I'm not an epidemiologist. We don't know. We're going to publish this in just a couple of days. We don't even know what it's going to look like in a couple of days. But what's what's going through your head? Uh, boy, a lot of things. Uh, one is, um, let's just talk about the coronavirus specifically. And your point, I, I'm not an expert in it. I will just tell you what uh, I know enough to be dangerous. And what I what I, I guess my, my cloudy crystal ball would say that um, I think the, when I look at the, the CDC, World Health Organization, and their, um, I would say, just some fear they're putting out there is, I would say, appropriate. And I actually am hopeful that when you see large companies um, start to limit travel, not just into China and other markets, but thinking about how do you dial down travel uh, pretty much across the board to some extent, I'm hopeful those sort of measures, and maybe it is a little bit of putting fear out in the market, will actually help reduce the spread. So I'm, I'm hopeful they're thinking that way, which is let's put a little more fear out there so people um, take it a little more seriously and reduce things that could expose us in, in certain ways so that we limit the risk that it actually spreads and becomes bigger than it actually is right now. So that's what I'm, I'm hopeful plays out. Um, my, again, cloudy crystal ball would say that um, it's going to be out here for a little while, but that um, there clearly will be a cure for it. Um, there'll be a way to reduce it and we'll be past it in a period of time later in 2020, which means what we're dealing with right now is short term in nature and not long term in nature. It is interesting. The average American seems to have noticed, even though the average American probably does not invest in stocks individually beyond a retirement. Those headlines about Wall Street have been the thing that have actually gotten people's attention, even if not necessarily they're invested all of a sudden people are realizing, oh, this this sounds like it could be quite serious. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when people see the flashing on the screens that um, bellwether stocks are dropped as much as they have, right, that is clearly of concern, right? When people talk about incorrection territory and the headlines today were, you know, this week will be the largest decline in the stock market since the crisis, right, that gets attention. And, and it, it, it should. It should get people's attention. What I would say... Um, making sure people put it in perspective, is that while on absolute absolute percentages it is the largest kind of decline, we're still at a very um, high, much higher level than we were back in 08, 09. And so I believe the market can withstand a correction of this, of this type. That's today. We'll have to see what happens next week and the week after. Um, but I think we have to pay attention to the bigger picture as well. It is hard. I mean, you've, you've several times couched, okay, that's today, and I'm with you 100%. We do tend to think in at least quarterly cycles, mm -hmm. uh, and this has got us thinking in daily cycles. Uh, Italy, in the first 48 hours, doubled the number of infected Italians. Uh, now we're thinking day to day as to what's happening. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. But I, again, my hope is some of the conversations that are out there and... Uh, 
um, again, from the CDC and other organizations, that it is creating somewhat of a fear. I, I think it's helpful to limit the the, the risk um, when you do have reductions in travel and you have different policies and people are thinking about, um, let's have people working from home. And if anyone is sick, it would be, no, we're encouraging you not to come in. Now it is a, if you walk in the door and, you, and you're sick, you are not, you are going to be uh, sent home immediately and it's going to be much more frowned upon. So I actually think overall that mindset, again, my hope uh, right now is that we'll be benefit um, from a broader spread. There's talk of uh, maybe easing monetary policy to, you know, to, to help prop some of this up. But I don't understand how a lower interest rate would convince a container ship to go into port in China. I just I don't see the relationship there. You and I are on the same page. I, I, I don't I don't either um, from a standpoint, it's something short term. And if it's um, travel being reduced, I don't see how that is going to stimulate travel. I mean, you can look right now, prices, if you look at international travel, prices have gone down dramatically. I don't see people rushing to go out and do international travel because pricing is down. And it's a little bit the same mentality with interest, interest rates. So I, 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 uh, I think... Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I agree with you. I don't believe at this point that that is going to have the benefit that people are looking for. You're on the board of directors of the San Francisco Fed. When I talk about interest rates, are you like the governors who have to be cautious and say, well, I've got to be very cautious about what I say, or do they give you more freedom for that? Uh, Caution would be the right way to think about it. Yeah. Um, as I talk about kind of, again, the last comments were my personal views and do not share anything from uh, the San Francisco Fed or any other government agency. So, yes, let's be clear about that. Silicon Valley Bank is in a very unusual position for a bank. Despite its name, it's in all kinds of cities around the world and lends money into a tech economy that is already flush with cash. There's so much liquidity in the market. If you raise a $50 million, $100 million round, and you may spend that over a 12, 24-month period, it is unlikely that you're going to rush out and get a loan for $20 million to augment the money you just raised, right? Um, so that's true. Selectively, though, there are companies that are, um, they look at and they say they have some cash, um, but they want to hit a milestone. They want to go out and they want to extend that runway uh, six months or nine months or a year because when they achieve that next milestone, their valuation will grow dramatically. That's when they're going to raise money. So debt is a perfect complement to that sort of mindset. So we're looking for those selective situations that we can add value, that it makes sense for the client to borrow money, and it gets them further along so their business is in better shape in the future. That's We're looking for those opportunities. But yeah, liquidity in the market is definitely one of the headwinds that we see to growth on a lending basis. One of the responsibilities of a bank when it's lending money is to calculate risk. What's the chance we're going to get this money back? Are Silicon Valley startups riskier, less risky than than other commercial banking? Uh, it, I would say if you don't know what you're doing, it is much riskier. Um, you know, we build up a 30-year history of understanding how to underwrite risk to um, innovation companies that are still losing money and probably will be for, um, you know, a year or two um, into their or longer into their into their lives. That's that's pretty much what I've done my entire career. Our chief credit officer, 
pretty much his entire career. And we have a team of people that that's how they think, right? So that does make a difference. Um, if you haven't done it before and you don't know what signs to pay attention to and how to underwrite, um, there's no question that the risk profile is higher than what you would see from a traditional um, traditional companies that are cash flow positive and kind of have traditional businesses. The Federal Reserve has talked about modifying the Volcker rule to allow banks to go back into venture capital. Explain to me what change they're proposing. Yeah, I think, well, let's go back in, in history, right? So before the Volcker rule was set in place back in, in two, with 2010 Dodd with Dodd-Frank, the reason they put venture capital in the you know not to-do list for, for banks is that they looked at that as risky investments, um, subject almost similar to proprietary trading that some of the investment banks were doing. So they just took a very wide view of what not to do. But when you actually spent time with policymakers in D.C. and, and even the state of California, and you asked them, were you, was your intent really to limit banks from investing in um, some, right, unlimited basis into these venture firms? And to a person, the answer was no, that really wasn't the intent. It got, kind of got swept up in the overall, um, all the laws that were changing. Um, so we've been advocating for a change back to the way it was um, for a long, a long time. I think what's changed is they've really looked at it and said, if you take a portfolio approach. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If you understand what you're doing and you're underwriting the risk, because it still is risk, um, you should be able to do that to a limited degree. And so that's really what they're talking about opening up. Um, banks, and this is especially true in the Midwest and other parts of the United States, in California, there's so much venture capital here, and it's I'd say it's not easy to raise money for a venture capital firm, but it is easier. If you're in the Midwest, it's harder. And banks used to play a role in those institutions where they would put money into those smaller venture firms to get them off the ground in markets. Well, that kind of went away with the Volcker rule. And so really, I think they're, they're thinking about it and saying capital from banks into venture capital can play an important role on a limited basis. And I think they're just looks, looking at relaxing that, which I think does make sense. To someone who's listening to, uh, to a banker uh, argue that we should roll back any part of Dodd-Frank, 
What's the advantage to rolling back this particular rule to the American in general? What what advantage? We know what we're trying to protect ourselves from because banks and the American economy, you know, caught us badly off guard in 2009. Why should we let you do that? So when you when you think about venture capital, what it does, right? It is invests in businesses, and if if you think about job growth in the United States and GDP stimulation over a long period of time, venture capital and venture capital back back companies have had an outsized contribution to the success of the U.S. economy, both from a job perspective and an economic viability. And if you can uh, create more venture capital, and this is especially true in the Midwest, and you get more money into that, my view is it does two things, right? It will create more jobs, and these jobs tend to be higher paying jobs, and you're going to stimulate more growth from a GDP perspective, which again creates more tax revenue um, in those communities. And so I do believe it's an important uh, part of it. Again, it has to be prudent, have to be um, rules and some restrictions around it. But I actually do think it, it actually to the um, general public in these communities is a positive move um, on the government's part to help stimulate the economy. I've been in Silicon Valley since 98. You've been here at Silicon Valley Bank since 93. Yeah. yeah. What has surprised you most about, I mean, we've been through a dot-com, we've been through all kinds of things, Web 2.0. What has surprised you most? I think the biggest surprise is that in the uh, 2000s, the mindset shift from the entrepreneur and the venture capitalist uh, from thinking about... um, solutions to what I would say are smaller but important problems to massive market ideas. And I know this is these these descriptions are overused, but I believe this has been the biggest fundamental change. When you look at um, the Ubers and the Airbnbs and um, you know like Chime as an example, a, a banking platform, they're not looking at what they've historically like selling solutions into these industries. They're looking at actually at dominating these industries. So if somebody would have said that Chime over a five, six year period would go from zero to having five or six million customers in banking, right? I think people would have said, well, that's impossible. So people, so that's the shift from my standpoint that's been the most transformative is how big the ideas of people are thinking about and entrepreneurs and venture capitalists. Um, that, that has created such a bigger opportunity. And I, the, the kind of follow on to that is this. I've heard so many people say, it's like, oh, there's so much venture capital out there that really is going to be pointing to it's overdone. There's going to be a bubble. Um, look at $135 billion invested versus the $25 billion invested a decade ago. My view is the market size, when you look at how big the market is they're going after, has gone up at least that big. And so I don't, I don't look at there's too much capital chasing after these opportunities. It seems like it's the right amount of capital. Um, any given year, any given sector, you can say it's overdone, but it doesn't bother me that there's this much money going into the venture capital space, given what they're going after. You mentioned Uber disrupting the taxi industry, Airbnb disrupting the hotel industry, Chime and consumer banking. Can someone disrupt you and how? I I think any institution, any, this isn't just banks. This is every company that's been around for um, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years should be thinking about disruption in their own business. 
and worry about it to some extent, right? Um, I think that's what the problem was with the hotel industry, the problem with other institutions. And I think we're in that same category, right? So we have to be better at technology. We have to be better at innovation. We have to try new things. We have to do more things in R&D. We're making investments in different businesses, um, like a Vouch, which is a digital insurance company, right? Or um, Omni, which is a, um, a way to look at documentation and build technology and understanding around how um, you fund companies and form them in the right terms. We need to keep investing in these sort of opportunities to think about how we can take care of our clients in a more differentiated way. So yes, we could be disrupted, and that's why we're making the investments we're making, and that's why um, I, I live by a, um, a term that Andy Grove would describe, a description, and his quote was, only the paranoid survive, and I believe that's true. I believe that all industries should have that mindset um, in today's world, because if you don't have that mindset, you're gonna miss something, and that's when you're gonna stumble. And I do believe every industry needs to think that way. Greg Becker, CEO of Silicon Valley Bank. Sand Hill Road is produced by Sean Myers, executive produced by Sarah Bueno and Stephanie Adruni. For more interviews with Silicon Valley's most influential entrepreneurs, check me out on TV at Press Here. That's Sunday mornings on NBC Bay Area and everywhere in the world on iTunes and at PressHereTV.com.